Hello there. Welcome to the Oblivious Maximus podcast for another week. I am your host, Aaron Osborne. This is episode 40. Holy shit. 40 episodes of me talking. Thank you for listening to all of them. I imagine every single person who's listening to this one has listened to every other one I've done. Uh, Just kidding, guys. If you haven't, though, there's lots of good ones. Uh, Go back and listen to them. They're all really fun to do. This was no exception. My guest this week is Will Wagner from the Smith Street Band. Um, As something that I'm trying as hard as I can to do with this podcast is talk to people that I'm not very good friends with and don't know heaps well. Uh, Will is one of those people. Um, We obviously have common friends and move within similar circles. However, uh, we don't know one another very well. So it was very cool to sort of tee this conversation up and have Will come over and have a chat um, in the middle of the day before he went off to band practice. So that was quite good. Um, But yeah, it was really good chat. It was really interesting to talk to someone about their sort of experiences that are quite a lot different from mine. Um, and someone who comes from a background that's different from mine as well, musically, uh, obviously come from more of a metal background than he does. And, um, you know, it was interesting to see his perspectives and his experiences and how that's related to the music he's gone on to create. And, you know, the Smith Street Band are becoming quite a well-known and quite a uh, successful band. So it's it was really interesting to talk to him about how that sort of impacted on him and his songwriting, and how that's worked within the band dynamic as well. Um, so yeah, it was a fun chat. Um, Smith Street Band are about to head off to America for a tour, and they're working on writing a new record right now, so it's all very exciting for them. Um, but yeah, so please enjoy this episode. I've got some awesome guests coming up as well. Uh, I've got some cool things working away in the background that I will announce soon. Um, for the podcast, but in the meantime, check out our website, check out our Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, just look up Oblivious Maximus Podcast, you'll be able to find all those things um, to stay up to date with those things, and yeah, listen to more of these, I guess. Also, go listen to the Bad Times Podcast with Ben Searle, I did the last one, it was really fun. Um, But yeah, please enjoy episode 40, thanks for sticking around this fucking long, listening to me talk to people, it's been sick. With Will Wagner from the Smith Street Band. Fucking Thank you for coming to my house, Will. Thanks for having me. <laughs> um, so, how did you get into music? What was your first jump off? Um, I think I probably started with my parents. Oh, like it definitely did. Um, my dad was in a band, um, sort of up until I came along and might've put an end to that musical (laughs) career. Um, but he was, he was sort of in a band that was like, I think they played with like your, uh, I think they played with hoodoo gurus and like hunters and collectors and that kind of like, uh, sort of Australiana pub rock kind of style of music. So, um, in Melbourne. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they like they played shows at the corner and had songs wow. on like Double J and that kind of stuff. Um, That's pretty cool. Yeah, it's really cool. Uh, and he still plays and stuff um, now. But um, yeah, so I guess through that uh, there was always lots of music in the house. But like my, one of my earliest memories is like, and apparently I could like I could sing along to Born to Run by Bruce Springsteen, <laughs> like before I could talk. 
That's like, amazing. I was sitting in the back of the car in like the booster seat, being like, like I could make all the sounds, but yeah. That's I feel great. like that song, I've known every word to that song since before I knew how to say my own name, probably. <laughs> so yeah, that'll be my great. earliest musical memory, yeah. And um, so, like, from that sort of, I guess, yeah, musical beginning with your family, did that, was that something that sort of like instantly became an interest for you then as well yeah for sure well, I, I um my parents sort of made me take guitar lessons when i, I think i started when i was like five doing okay. like a suzuki like classical yep. finger picking acoustic guitar lessons um mm. which i like hated <laughs> i absolutely yeah. hated but was like to the you know probably the best decision they ever made in regards to me yeah like, getting me doing that early but um yeah it was always i just always loved it like both my parents um write books now for a living they're like children's book authors and oh, that's um, right so yeah, it's always, we sort of grew up in a very like creative household, you know, like me and my sister were never going to like be accountants or anything. Yeah. Like <laughs> we're always reading and always writing. And like my sister played piano and cello and um, amazing singer. And now she's like a, she illustrates stuff and she does interior design. She's like a, she's sort of found a way to be creative and make a actual living. Whereas I've just found a way to like <laughs> um, yell at people. Yeah, uh, that's fine. Um, yeah, yeah, you know, it has its, has its, has its benefits. <laughs> um but yeah, so I, I just sort of grew up in a very creative environment. And then, yeah, I, I started my first band when I was like 12 or 13 with yep. some other people who all played and was like writing all the songs. And then I wanted to be a football player and then like that dream fell apart. So I went for the more realistic <laughs> option of a, yeah, trying to be a musician. Um, but yeah, but I feel like it's, you know, uh, it's like some of my earliest memories are like writing little poems and writing words. Like it was always very... Uh, uh, a natural thing for me to sort of want to do. Yeah. Well, I guess in an environment as well where that's sort of um, encouraged and nurtured, yeah, totally. it helps yeah. with that. Yeah, I, I think that's definitely the case. Like, so, you know, that's sort of the classic story of every musician is like, you've got to tell your parents you're gonna, you want to be in a band and they both break down <laughs> crying. <laughs> and like, yeah. But university is so much. <laughs> yeah, but like, yeah, I dropped out of uni after like three and a half weeks or something and my yeah. parents were like the only people that were like, yeah, no, like I, I was doing a music course and um, we got offered uh, the first uh, Smith Street tour. This was like when we were Will Wagner and the Smith Street band. We got offered a tour with Defiance Ohio. Mm-hmm. It's a band from America who like I have a tattoo of their logo on my leg. They're like one of my favorite bands. Yeah. It's like a two-week tour and I was doing like a music industry course. And I asked the coordinator if I could take time off the course to go on tour. And they said no. I was like, well, what the fuck am yeah. I doing this course for? Like, the whole point of doing this course is to be in a band. You're defying the ex- yeah. entire <laughs> yeah, reason yeah, for yeah, doing yeah. this. Like, I don't want the degree. I want to be able to, you know, I don't care yeah. if I don't, if I pass or fail. Like, I want to, I want to be a musician. Yeah. And they didn't let me. So I dropped out and everyone sort of, it was like quite a good course and everyone was quite disappointed in me. Except my parents were like, well, that's stupid. Like, you should be able yeah. to go on tour. That's what you're trying to do anyway. And yeah. So mm. they've always been so supportive and great. And like, yeah, I think that's made everything a lot easier for me because you're not like, you know, hiding it from your parents. Like I know people who who still who are my age, like 25, 26 and like don't tell their dad they're going on tour. Kind yeah, of thing. yeah. Like, because, you know, it, which is like would be such a like weird stifling environment to grow up in, I think. Yeah, it's it's like, I think like I definitely have very supportive mom and she was always like very keen for me to do what I wanted to do. And she sort of had a, a similar thing as well. Like she ensured that I had something to fall back on but she basically said to me like this is your chance to have these experiences like you know a similar thing like when you know we got offered I exist got offered to go to Europe and it was like how do you not go to Europe yeah I I totally yeah people still say that to us like you guys too are so hard and it's like 
Yeah, but every now and then someone's like, do you want to come to America and play in a bunch of theaters? Yeah. It's like, yeah, nah, nah, I'm going to sit at home and play video. It's like, of course I'm going to fucking do that. Like, yeah, yeah. That's why we started a band. That's why anyone plays music is to play music. Like, yeah, I, yeah, I don't exactly. understand why. Yeah, but but yeah, I think that that makes would make so much a difference. And yeah, I'm sure it would be the same for for you guys. Like, yeah, getting those chances to go to Europe and then, you know, like we're writing at the moment and like I've never, I haven't played any of the demos to anyone. But I went and had dinner with, with my parents the other night and like played them a few of the songs, mm-hmm. and they liked it. So now it's like, oh, who cares what else happens? But like my parents, <laughs> my parents think that I've progressed as a songwriter. So like, fuck it if anyone you know listens to this record. Like, I'm happy with that. Your achievement, yeah, for your yeah, life yeah, totally. has come across there. That's like the number one thing to tick off. Yeah. Before any you know record sales, it's like yeah. mum's got to think my lyrics have got better, and then like, anything else can come from there. Well, if they're writers too, that's a good benchmark. Yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um. So I guess like so, whereabouts in Melbourne did you grow up? Uh, Box Hill. Okay. Yeah. Out in the east. Yeah, out in the east. Not yeah. as interesting as, as Taiwan. Did you grow up in Taiwan? <laughs> yeah, I, I did, I did live yeah, in Taiwan. Yeah. Amazing. I did used to work in Bayswater though. So oh I, yeah, sure. <laughs> I spent time. Out I used there. to play footy against Bayswater, and a guy yeah. uh, got when I was about twelve. A guy. Uh, probably the last time I got properly knocked out was playing against <laughs> Bayswater, and this guy who we used to call Goggles because. He needed to wear glasses, but I guess they couldn't. They didn't get the prescription lenses or anything, so he just wore prescription swimming goggles when he played footy. That is amazing. And he lined me up from about twenty meters away, and I was the ruckman. And I went up and tapped the ball and landed, and there's and then like woke up on the side of the woke up on the side of the oval, and my dad's yelling at his dad kind of thing. That's great. Yeah, that's my last. That's my only Bayswater memory. And I'm sure that's, that's probably a, a lot of people's Bayswater memory. It probably is. Some bloke lined me up and fucking. Yeah, I never gotten any tussles out there. <laughs> I can imagine it probably could have. Yeah. Um, but so, like, going to school and stuff, was that, like, a supportive environment for you trying to kick off with music? Um, it was in a weird way. Like, I went to... In Box Hill, there's, like, Box Hill High School, Box Hill Senior Secondary, and I guess the TAFE would be the other one. And Senior Secondary is, like, your Swinburne. You know, I think it's, uh, you know, only the last few years of school, and that's, mm-hmm. like, no uniform, and, like, you know, everyone's fucking smoking ciggies. Like, yeah, that's, yeah, like, sure. the, the cool alternative school. Um, no uniform and everyone's smoking ciggies is my way of summing that up. Um, whereas, yeah, Box Hill High was like a, a more of like a, like there was a, a selective element to the school. So like um, I did a thing where I skipped year 10, but then did VCE over three years. Um, so you could, it was supposed to be so you could like focus more on what you want to do after school, mm-hmm. which I guess is what I did by just completely not paying attention to any of the school I was doing <laughs> and using the free time I'd got to um write and record but uh yeah i say i sort of started touring when i was in year 12 um even year 11 maybe and um my coordinator in year 12 i was gonna fail i don't know if hopefully my parents i don't know if my parents know this story so hopefully that was this <laughs> um but i was gonna fail year 12 and get kicked out of school because i just wasn't showing up but um yeah. i wasn't showing up because i was like writing and recording my first like a solo album i did before smith street started mm-hmm. and um I remember I got called into the office and, and uh, Miss Will, Wilshire, I think. Oh, fuck. I really should remember her name. It was such a pivotal moment. She said, uh, we're going to kick you out of school. You're not showing up, blah, blah, blah. Like, well, you know, you're just sitting around smoking bongs or whatever. It's yeah. like, oh, I am. But I'm also uh, <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm, you know, I'm trying to write this record and I've done this thing. And then I, I brought her in the like mixes of the record. Mm-hmm. And she was like, oh, so you actually are doing something. And I was like, yeah, no, I've been like working really hard on this. And then she found a way to like fudge the numbers a little bit so I could wow. stay in school because she was, you know. I think I think her thought was just like yeah I was just like you know hanging around Eastland bumming ciggies off people and stuff, <laughs> um, so I think it was to her it was like oh like someone from the school has actually like done some anything anything yeah, like, yeah yeah so she found a way to like make me finish year twelve and get 
an enter score that I cannot remember. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. It hasn't made any difference no, in my life. Not at all. No. Um, yeah. That, I think that's a really important and that's a really cool thing too, because I don't think many people have the experience of having like a supportive uh, teacher in terms of like their creative efforts. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Like I, I had a really good teacher in year 11 and 12, really good music teacher. Mm. And I think without him like l- like letting us play death metal at lunchtime <laughs> we would have all like failed school because basically <laughs> like he let have us you know let us have that enthusiasm for that so that he could like anchor that into making us do some actual work yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, well you know these sabbath songs are yeah. in you know yeah, yeah, exactly. standard yeah. yeah but yeah it's <laughs> like i think that's something that's def- i mean certainly missing from like I work in schools now, it's, I notice it missing in primary schools, but I'd say it's far more important in high schools when people are sort of making those final decisions about what they're going to do. And I think that's something that like, man, people need to start figuring that shit out because otherwise kids are just going to start leaving school so much earlier. And like, I think like, I remember that was the same for me. Like I had that sort of music coordinator just sort of let me, I didn't really have any friends in school and they, and, uh, she would just let me at uh, lunchtime and stuff just go in and play shit. Like I would just mm. go into a room and there was a drum kit in there. So I spent six months getting a basic handle on the drums and like just all I wanted to do was drum along to uh, New Noise by Refuse, which is yep. in <laughs> hindsight a far too ambitious first song to try and drum along to. Like yep. they're one of the best drummers of all time. Um, but I just kept trying to drum along to that. But like, uh, and then, you know, she would do the same thing. So I sort of like learned a bit of piano and learned a bit of cello and stuff just by, she would just, I, would just let me go and sit in this mm. room all day. And yeah, without that, you wouldn't, you know, I, miss, I would have missed out on so many things and probably just would have stopped going because mm. that was the thing I looked forward to. Was like, I got to get through these classes, but then I can, yeah, go and sit and drum along to Shape of Punk to come really yeah, badly yeah. for an hour and then I have to go <laughs> back to class. Like, so um, what were the sort of things that you were listening to when you first sort of started, I guess, finding your like musical footing? Um, well, yeah, I, yeah, Bruce Springsteen is like the immediate one for me in that regard, just like, his music means more to me than anyone else's music. And I really like, uh, like when he came to Australia uh, to play and played at Hanging Rock, my dad was the first person there. Of wow. Like all 50,000 or whatever <laughs> people were going. My dad was literally the first person That's through the gate. Awesome. Um, and yet like uh, I, I showed up a bit later. So we were only like maybe 10 people away, but those 10 people had waited for hours and hours. And I went and sort of stood in front of these people and this lady tapped me on the back and she was like, uh, been waiting to see Bruce for like 25 years and you're like fucking massive. Like, is there any way? I was like, no, you're right. I've only been waiting for, you know, 20 years. Like you can totally stand in front of me. But yeah, when he played, he played Born to Run and I like fought my way through to my dad and like hugged him and it was just like the most insane experience. So yeah, Springsteen for me would like be the yeah the most obvious one. But like um, any, like all of those kind of sort of storytelling singers like Billy Bragg and uh, Paul Kelly and um, sort of got into Bob Dylan a bit later, but mm-hmm. All of those kind of very lyrical, I mean, you know, bands like The Weaker Thans now would probably be one of my favorite bands, which is in a similar vein, which is like a almost the, the music is like the second thing, you know, the music is like a backing thing for like sure. what this person's really trying to say and what this person's really trying to get across. Mm-hmm. And um, I think that was, uh, and that, like through that, I really got into hip hop at a really young age because that's kind of the same thing. Like, mm-hmm. Um, I really loved Eminem, but I remember hearing Stan for the first time, which is like such a ridiculous song, <laughs> but, um, there's, that, that is the most incredible, that's like a amazing folk song, like a blues yeah, song. Sure. Like, that's like this full, full narrative story with like a beginning, middle and end. And 
um, you know, it's, it's kind of like sort of a bit over the top and stuff, but uh, that kind of songwriting really, really related to me and grabbed me much more than like, you know, I love like Dinosaur Jr. and those bands that are like guitar bands now, but probably because I like listening to guitar. I like, I love playing guitar and stuff now, but like I never got, I didn't get into any heavy music or anything for so long mm. because I just didn't really care about music almost. Like I really cared about what people were yeah. saying over the top of it. So that was what really got me initially like inspired to start writing was just these like, yeah, big, almost like monosyllabic lyricists who were just like, yeah, here's the same four chords that every fucking Bob Dylan song is. Yeah. But I'm telling these incredible stories over the top. And that, yeah, that was like the thing that first inspired me, I guess. And like, I guess like that's obviously, I'd say you can definitely hear that in your music, how, you know, it's quite um, impassioned and there's yeah. a lot of storytelling, as you said. Um, like, was that sort of stuff something for you that like, as you developed through uh, like being a teenager as well, became quite important to you then as well? Yeah. Was that something that sort of like, cause I know, I mean, you know, it's sort of a bit cliche to say it, but I'd say like every one of us who involves ourselves in these sort of alternative parts yeah. of culture has something in school, at least that we need to find to help us get through, you know, whatever the oh. reason we're sort of over there. You yeah, know? yeah, the reason that we're not normal to be. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Um, and like, yeah. I think f- for me, that was, for me, that was just music being super heavy and stuff. But like, obviously, yeah, that, so basically that's what I'm asking. Was that sort of storytelling stuff yeah. where you found yourself in that? Yeah, totally. Um, and yeah, I, I guess that I, I didn't have as much like, or like I had lots of friends who were into like straight metal and mm-hmm. you know, like when you're 15, it's like, I only listen to metal. Yes, and that's exactly. Um, you're not allowed to listen to Which I guess, else. you know, some, <laughs> some people never grow out of. But, uh, <laughs> True. Um, yeah, so I had a lot of friends who, who I, I guess had more anger to get out and like yeah. had that kind of, um, you know, just like a kind of blind rage. Like I, I, I always found myself gravitating towards, like I had a very stable and fantastic uh, ha- uh, family. Mm-hmm home life but I always found myself gravitating towards the more like uh you know uh people who didn't have that kind of thing going on. like my best friend all through high school was a guy who was adopted and um but sort of under very trying circumstances and had a very trying uh home, uh, home life mm-hmm. um and they were all and those people were always just into just like the most aggressive like listening to like cannibal corpse and stuff at 15 yep. And then it's being like, how heavy did it sound? And I'm like, yeah, it sounds heavy, but he's saying the most fucked up shit. Like, <laughs> this is so goddamn scary. Yeah. I don't know how anyone listens to this like horrorcore music. Um, so I, I guess like, uh, well, but I, I guess uh, had a lot of, um, which I, st- I still do. And I find that music is the best thing for it. Like I have uh, depressive and anxiety, mm-hmm. uh, depressing and, and anxiety, uh, d- depressive tendencies and anxiety. I don't, know, I don't know. There's no good way of phrasing it. I'm like a sad weirdo um, as <laughs> most people in music I find yeah. out um, and so that was something always for me was like that was where I was getting that same kind of feeling that you'd get from the you know massive guitars and drum sounds I was getting from like turns of phrase and from people you know there's these one one or two lines where you felt the first time you hear it you go fuck that's exactly how I feel about this situation and I didn't even know until I heard this Weekend End song mm. and you know like uh, the Sun in an Empty Room which is a new Weekend End song which is like is this one that that line sun in an empty room which the first time that i was living with someone and they moved out and then i listened to that song and i was like sun in an empty room. oh my god i totally get it that's that perfectly sums up exactly how i feel about this whole situation it's just me in an empty room and the sun's still shining like sort of having that realization that uh 
you know, rather than getting it out through like aggression, getting it out, uh, sort of being able to relate to this like real uh, deep sort of tender sadness in music that like, you know, and then makes you feel like you're not alone in those feelings. And like, yeah, yeah it's the same thing for, for sort of more angry people with heavy music, but I like to, I like to internalize my anger and really <laughs> beat myself up rather than beat anyone else up. That's sort of more my, more my speed. We all approach these things differently. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Everyone's hurting someone. Yeah. It's just, yeah, mine's all me. <laughs> <laughs> so was that always how you started off with music then? Was it always something that was for yourself? Like, you know, like you were saying, writing music and creating it yourself. Was that like the beginning for that? Was it the goal to be working alone on those things? Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's still, it still pretty much is like... Uh, I'm really, really conscious of like not ever writing for anyone else, not trying to, especially now that like, you know, sort of a few more people listen to the band, like as soon as I start writing something with other people in mind, it just becomes so shit. Yeah. And like some people can do that. Some people can write these like all encompassing universal kind of songs. And whenever I try, it's just as like so obvious and so cliched that, Mm. You know, I can only write these really specific songs about myself because I'm very like self-obsessed, probably. As a person. <laughs> um, but yeah, that was kind of always like uh, my kind of thing that I just sort of found and found through my parents as well, and them kind of encouraging me that like a uh, music as a coping mechanism and music sure. as a as a way to to understand these feelings and understand myself and like you know get a better grasp on a situation by writing about it. And you know, it's almost a way to tap into your subconscious and like. There are definitely things, even like a hundred percent, still now, where I won't understand a situation until six months later, mm. when I've written a verse and a chorus about it, and go, "Oh, that's oh, I don't know, I hated that person this whole time, and I'd never even worked <laughs> it out until now." Like you know, you sort of these things kind of dawn on you, or dawn on me in different ways. Um, mm. But yeah, that was definitely something with music that was always a very personal thing, and it's something that I sort of I struggle with a bit now, like having that. Uh, having that release because it's really hard to write something and not think like, I'm going to have to play this to someone at some point, even if it's just a band and we're all going to say, we're not going to do this song. Like I find it really hard to write anything. That's like, this is just for me. And after I've written it, I'm going to set this piece of paper on fire. I'm never going to record it. These are some things they had to get out. Um, But then often when I do finally break through and write a song like that, it'll be like the best song off the record or like the, the most relatable song off the record or the song that makes me, the most uncomfortable when I'm singing it and feel like oh, I got to call the person this song's about and apologize to them or like <laughs> I got to let mum know about it. Oh, there's this one song that's like really fucking dark. Like I'm sorry. <laughs> like, yeah. You know. Uh, I but they, you know often those songs are the ones that people will come up and be like, "That's the one." Like that's the one that I really kind of got through to me. So yeah, right. Yeah. Well, it was like to that then was it difficult for you to sort of um, start playing these songs with other people then? Like building a band around something that's so personal. Yeah, yeah, it was. It was at first. I guess the, like my first band. I was in some. Uh, I was in a band called Ignore Alien Orders in high school, mm-hmm. which uh, we sounded like Blink One Eight Two. We tried to sound like Blink One Eight Two <laughs> and failed, <laughs> which is a hard thing to do in hindsight. Um, Everyone in high school can. Make it. <laughs> yeah, we yeah, all yeah. been there. Everyone can attest. Uh, and then when we were 16, we all got into like pot and Radiohead and we became called Plastic, all lowercase with a full stop. Perfect. And tried to sound like Radiohead, which <laughs> was for a band that couldn't pull off Blink-182, was probably a bit too ambitious. Yeah. Um, you were shooting for the stars. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, uh, yeah, trying to be like fucking Johnny Greenwood, which I still have no idea how he makes any of the sounds he makes. Um, and then, yeah, but that was all just kind of figuring it out. And then 
I guess when that band broke up in sort of year 10 or year 11, like 16, 17 was when I wrote the first like Will Wagner. That's fuck such a dickhead saying that, but like that's what it was called. <laughs> yeah. And that is my name, but like yeah. Will Wagner songs, which then was like the the seed that became Smith Street Band. But mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I would have been 16 or 17 and played at Lentil as Anything at like the open mic night. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was, I think the second time I'd ever been, I think I'd played the week before at the open mic night. Um, and uh, this guy comes up to me after the set and was like, hey, that was really cool. Like, do you want to play more shows? Yeah. And I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and that guy is uh, like uh, Bosma, like Chris Bosma, who uh, then booked me to play a house show like three weeks later where I played with uh, uh, Steph Hughes' old band, uh, Love Like Electrocution, mm-hmm. um, and Major Major. And I like played acoustic and it was a show at a house and I was like underage and I drank and I like made out with someone and it was like <laughs> the coolest fucking all, night of my entire life. All very exciting. Um, yeah. And like, yeah, Bosma who booked that show like conti- is since booked everything that I've ever done pretty much. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah. And, and then from there, I decided playing more and more house shows and played solo every chance I got. And then it just kind of became like a natural thing. Like uh, the way I first played with the band was we were playing with... Um, Wolfman Jack, which is Josh from Foxtrot, mm-hmm. his old band, and the bass player and the drummer were like, "Can we play with you? Like, yeah, we, reckon, right. we reckon we know all the songs." And I was like, "Yeah, sick." Um, and then we just wrote, played like a six-song set just on the floor of the tote, without ever rehearsing, and them just like knowing how to play the songs from here, seeing me like because I just fucking played everything that anyone asked or didn't ask me to play i was like the most annoying <laughs> little shit just showing up to everything like oh, i do four songs at the start like yeah got so hooked on it um and then that just became the first band with those guys so it was actually quite like easy and immediate and like there's always a bit of thinking with the like uh you know putting out personal things into the world and being a bit apprehensive about that but like the more i do it and even still the more i do it the more i find that that i get out of it i get out so much more than what i would have got out just keeping it to myself, like being able to share, you know, horrible breakups and stuff, but then also like uh, losing people in my life and um, singing about like having depression and all these kind of things. Like you get so much out of it. You Mm. get so much out of it by people coming up and being like, I relate to that. I understand that. And you're like, fuck yeah, yeah, I'm not alone. I'm not like a, you know, there are heaps of people who feel like this and they're getting something out of it too. And it's this beautiful, like a uh, symbiotic relationship you end up having with people. And, um, but yeah, I, I, to answer your question from, uh, from ages ago, <laughs> why did I start a band? Yeah. Um, cause yeah, there's only so many ways you can play C A minor F and G yeah. over and over again <laughs> until you need, like someone's got to play some other notes in there to like mix yeah. it up a little bit. <laughs> so was that, was that though then like something that you sort of started having to think about how, like the musicality of the songs were framed then once you built a, a band around it? Yeah, I probably should have thought about it more at the start. I definitely think about it a lot more now. Um, mm. For the first the first solo album and then the first Smith Street Band album was very much just uh, hear are my songs, like learn them, these are the notes, and then play, you know, we'll play them the second we all know how to play them. But now I very much, <clears throat> the way that I write just totally changed now and I am. Um, Musically, especially, I just I'm always thinking about the band and thinking about dynamics and, mm-hmm. um, you know, uh, leaving room in parts because I love like what I love the way Lee plays guitar in Smith Street and, um, so you know, there's lots of parts where it's like 
I'm just going to really play root notes basically to let sure. Lee fill this song out. And, you know, you sort of think about that stuff a lot more, the more, uh, the more that I have that in my mind when I'm writing songs, but still very much like ly- the lyric stuff is just all, uh, I can't think about anyone hearing it if I'm writing it. Otherwise it just, it just becomes so obvious. Yeah. Yeah. So like, <clears throat> I guess, yeah, the, the reason why that sort of is interesting to me is that like, I've never been, I mean, like I write lots of the, most of the songs for I exist and, and uh, mm. like I do a lot of the writing for that, but like I've never played in a band where I've been sort of uh, the, you know, it hasn't sort of centered around an idea that I've had, like musically it has, but not lyrically or anything like that. And I mean, that probably comes as well from the fact that when I started playing in bands, I started playing drums. I ended, yeah, sure. I ended up at guitar. <clears throat> yeah. But, you know, playing drums, your job is yeah. to hold <laughs> hold other people yeah, up, yeah, yeah. you know, <laughs> not, not to be at the front. Um, but so, like, I, I find it quite interesting when people as well move from playing something acoustically to then playing electric as well. That, like, I think that's something that a lot of people don't recognize but i think in terms of like the musical world that's actually quite a big jump from oh, going totally. from one to yeah, the other yeah, yeah. because it really changes every, how everything's going to work for you yeah and the other way around like you see it sort of stopped happening so much now but it seemed to be for a few years every person who played in a band put out a solo album yeah yeah sure. as well and so many of them was just like this is really shit like this <laughs> is just like boring versions of your full band songs. Yeah, yeah but like it is a totally even now like i would still play solo and every now and then obviously the band stuff is a lot more i do a lot more but like it's totally it's completely fucking different it's 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 a completely different skill set almost that you need to be doing stuff by yourself to stuff with the band and you can i think not that i listen to a band but like i feel like you can probably tell like even playing the you know playing a few songs off the first album when we play them live like there's always parts that like if we'd have written this song now this bit would have you know, we don't need a three-minute verse here. Like, yeah, we get right, it. You're yeah. sad. Like, you know, <laughs> shut the fuck up. Oh, like, you know, like they're all like every song on the first Smithsonian album like starts with me for a minute and a half because I just it was like, no, I'm just gonna start playing. You guys figure out what you're gonna do. Like, um, join in when you get yeah, it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Join in when you when you've seen what chords I'm playing. It's C A minor F and G. I probably. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so it, it is. It is sort of a bit of a thing where yeah, you've got to really concentrate on like dynamics and 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 how. And yeah, you can't just be like, like strumming too fast on yeah, acoustic, yeah. which is great playing solo and it gets across all the energy. But like, you know, there are other ways to portray intensity and stuff, if that makes sense. Like that's something yeah. we're trying to do with the new stuff. Like not everything has to be full time, full yelling, all mm. four of us playing at the same time, guitars as loud as we can. I've got to fit as many words into every verse as I possibly can and yell all of them. <laughs> like there's a few songs now which are like, we're trying to make quite quite sparse and basic but still portray the same kind of like uh you know intensity without the like breathlessness of other songs Mm -hmm. but yeah so that was sort of something coming to the band was like yeah give everyone room everyone room to do their own things and everyone room to shine a little bit and yeah not everything just has to be like full time full full energy full everything because you can you can you can make things more impactful by stripping them back in certain yeah sure yeah and so, like, obviously, you said earlier that, um, you know, you're still doing this all for yourself, obviously, but uh, to that as well, like, as you said as well, the band has gotten quite more well-known in the last couple of years, which would ob- has obviously led to larger performances mm. and playing to bigger crowds and stuff like that. Um, has that at all influenced the way you guys are shaping the music of things? <clears throat> it's interesting. Like, I think it did at first, like... 
the biggest sort of everything's been very gradual for us because we've never really had like a a big break or we've never sort of set out to like this year we've got to go from a hundred capacity venues to a thousand capacity yeah yeah it was never anything so like the biggest actual jump was going from before the first album to after that was out like when the first album came out and that didn't get played on any radio or anything like that but like it went from 50 people to like two three hundred people which was which was at the time completely astronomical and Mm. like something that like we never thought like we were never a band that were and we still aren't we don't really have like goals per se like we're not a success we're not just we're just not those kind of people that are Mm. like trying to like you know not interested in like being cool backstage at splendor and like all those things like it's just like nothing that you know we don't we don't we just don't care about it mm. so we've never sort of been the kind of people that are like we you know having these goals in mind we've got to sell this many copies of the record this many tickets um so that was kind of the biggest jump and that writing like our first album was called no one gets lost anymore and i wrote that that album was all i had no idea anyone was going to hear those songs basically so i feel like that's like very like raw and honest that album mm-hmm. which i'm not saying is good i'm just saying it's raw and honest <laughs> i'm not trying to big myself up um and then the second album is called sunshine and technology and before that album i wrote basically a whole other album which was complete drivel it was this crap right. and i was trying to write the album that because oh now now we can you know we might be able to like sell out the tote so now i've got to write a song that like 200 people are going to want to sing along to sure but like the songs on the first album that everyone wanted to sing along to were like six minute songs about anxiety, which <laughs> I never thought anyone's going to hear. Yeah. And that's what people like. And that's what people relate to, especially with our music, I think is like the more personal it is, the more people get out of it. Mm-hmm. So that was the thing. And I wrote this whole, I reckon I wrote eight or nine songs for this album and played them all and played them all solo. And they're all just like meaningless sort yeah. of crappy songs. And then, to get to the, the songs, like there's some songs on Sunshine and Technology that I'm like really proud of. Um, and to get to those songs, I sort of had to like come to terms with the fact that more people are going to hear them. But the reason more people are going to hear them is because they were honest in the first place. Sure. So, I, but, well, but, you didn't, the, the thing that made those people like you wasn't you trying to make them like exactly, you. Yeah. Exactly. And I'm never good at that anyway, even in social situations. If I'm like, trying to be charming or trying to be funny i'm just fucking horrible at it like i'm not <laughs> not any of those things like if i'm just like yeah i'm a weirdo like i'm a dork i'm gonna start sweating halfway through this conversation for no reason it's just because i'm anxious and fat like yeah get, get off my back <laughs> if i come up to people with that kind of attitude i find that I, people kind of understand it a bit more than like you know trying to be like the i'm in a band on triple j so i've got nice sunglasses on <laughs> and i'm gonna like i can't fucking do that stuff yeah um so I think that that's like the, that was sort of the big change. The big change in my thinking was that like, if I try and write something that everyone's going to like, no one's going to get it. And if I write something that is just something that I have to say, then people are going to relate to it. So yeah. since then I've kind of been okay with it. And yeah, it's basically, it's like my parents and the other guys in the band and like my partners are pretty much the only people that like write a song and they'll all be like, yeah, that's a good song. Mm-hmm. Then like, I'm totally comfortable seeing it in front of heaps of people. And I think the next Smith Street record will have the darkest and like, there's one song in particular that, that, that like, there's one song which is so stupid, I can't play without crying. It's so sad and so personal. It sounds like a fucking spinal tap. Like I wrote a song so sad, even though I can't play. <laughs> <laughs> it's, yeah. so, uh, it's so goddamn sad that like, 
I can't actually get through it. No one else in the band's heard it because I can't get through it. But like, mm. that's the song that I'll fight tooth and nail for that song to be on the record mm. because that's obviously means something to me if I can't even play the song. So like, yeah. I feel like that'll probably mean something to someone else. Whereas before I would be, you know, there would be a time when I'd be like, no, that song's too sad. No one's going to get into a song that's that sad. Yeah. yeah. Well, I guess, that, I mean, that's something as well you got to look at too, where in that if, you know, you felt that, you know, sharing these experiences and stuff is something that's important. It's something that people connect with then clearly, you know, making sure the emotional ties to those things is like true and yeah. important to you as well yeah. is going to help that be and it, yeah, translate. And it, and it means that I'm going to... It's sort of true of all things, I think. If you're doing something that you really mean and you really are passionate about, like it's sort of going back to the, you know, I want to make music and everyone... The first thing anyone says is like, God, oh, do you make any money? Do you make any money? Mm. It's like, no, you don't... I don't know, I don't know how you make money. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, you're yeah. either Courtney Barnett or you're broke. I think yeah. they're like the only two options. <laughs> and if I, I love the fact, I didn't mean to say that with no spite whatsoever. I have no idea how much money she has, but I'm assuming she has heaps of money. Uh, <laughs> She's been on TV. Um, I'll, I'll ask her next time I see her. Yeah. <laughs> she was at the Grammy. She's like, that, that pays, right? Yeah. Um, but like, if you are doing something that you really fucking want to do and you really believe in, then you're just going to find a way to make everything else. Like the rest of your life's just going to fall in line to that. Yeah. And I think that's so true of, of playing music. Like, we write a song now and it's like, we've got to be like, okay, cool. Are we cool with playing this song 200 times a year mm. for potential, hopefully the rest of our lives. Best case scenario is we're going to be so fucking sick of this song. Like, <laughs> so it's got to be something that I really mean. And I'm really like, I'm not, not proud of saying, but like, this has got to be something that like in 10 years, I'm going to be like, fuck yeah, I got, I needed to get that thing off my chest. I'm yeah. like, yeah, that person was an asshole or that person was really great to me. Like, um, so yeah, it's sort of like if, if I'm doing something that, and then I'm going to put more effort into everything else around it. Like if I'm saying all these things that I really need to say and people are relating to it, then I'm going to want to do interviews and I'm going to want to go and do as many shows as I can because it yeah. still means a lot to me. Whereas if I'm just trying to write a, write a popular record, I'm not going to fucking care about it at all. So I'm not going to do any of the other work that goes into it. Like, yeah, yeah. it's all about, you know, you've just got to like, I feel like podcasting is the perfect example of that where it's like i don't know how you can make money off a podcast yeah but, well i don't yeah you know we're talking into <laughs> nice microphones and like yeah. you, you obviously because this is something that you love doing and you can hear yeah. it when you listen to the show like and you can hear it when you listen to heaps of podcasts it's like people will do hundreds and hundreds of episodes mm. of something which you tell your parents about and they go but how do you yeah, yeah. make a living off of that um yeah but it's well, like I mean, yeah this is what i really want to do so. the thing for me with this was like you know it was i just really wanted to talk to people Exactly. And I really like talking to people. Yeah. So that was, this was my way of like, well, some of those conversations I'm having are quite interesting and I think other people would like to hear it. Exactly. Um, and yeah, it is one of those things that like, at this stage, I have no idea how to make money out of it, but I don't care. Get, <laughs> like, get, um, sell ads to Smith and Daughters and Smith and Dell and get Callum to chip <laughs> Callum, if you're listening, Preston, hit me up, bro. Chuck um, in your millions. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, but I think that's something that's like at least people have definitely been forgetting since I've been involved with playing music mm. is that definitely a primary concern for a lot of people is trying to make that, you know, just that's the thing I'm going to do forever and solidifying it as a financial backing as opposed to like a backing for passion. But it just doesn't work. Like mm. you see, and that's another thing we've been very lucky to witness, like, getting to play things like laneway and splendor and those things you see how the 
big bands with the big labels and the big managers work. Yeah. And they're all just fucking hating it. Like, everyone's so stressed. Then you can't, no one wants to hang out. Like, every festival we're at, it's like us and four of our friends are all sitting around, like, drinking and, like, talking shit. And you look around, it's like, we are the only people laughing. We're the only people not wearing tailored clothes. We're the only people, (laughs) like... You know, like we're wearing, yeah, we got free shoes, but they're the free shoes we got last year because we're still trying to wear them out until we have to break open the free shoes we got this year. Yeah. Like, yeah. like it's, it's, it's this whole sort of thing like where you can, you can tell, and like, you know, you see bands that uh, will just show up out of nowhere and all of a sudden they're on a big booking. They've got a massive manager and they've got a big label and they have a, you know, they have a song in the hottest 100. I'm thinking of a very specific band that I'm not going to name. Mm-hmm. I'm not gonna um, but like they have all these sort of all of these things are just like happening for them, and then in two years' time they're just going to be replaced by another band because best case scenario in that situation is your sixth show, you're headlining some massive thing, but it's your sixth show, so you're shit house. Like no, you're not yeah. good at playing music until you've played fucking fifty times, like, and you're not ready, and then you get all these things and you don't know how to write a follow up album because the first album was ten years of just like writing a song every. Well, and then all of a sudden you're thrust into this crazy big spotlight and all these people are working for you and there's all these things, all these opportunities, but like you sort of have no idea how to handle any of those things where I feel like we're really lucky that this every tour, there's been a few more people have come and, mm. and, and every album, a few more people have listened. So now that we are at this point that we're like, we get to play at a hi-fi or something, which is so still so insane to me and, and seems like really... Uh, it's like it, it's completely beyond belief that we get to do a lot of the things that we get to do um, mm. but we're like ready for them yeah. and we've played a thousand shows so like you know it's it, you can you You've can work out the and, kinks with all yeah, that yeah and you stuff. can and you can look at like when playing laneway I make a, made a real point to just like not concentrate 100% on playing and singing and just every now and then just like look out and be like how the fuck fuck did this happen yeah like, yeah how did we get to do this how did we and then and then think like you know i remember playing the fucking tote remember playing blue tile lounge remember playing every fucking shit destroy all lines club like mm. remember all these things and like it's this really sort of you, and you get proud and it's, it's a really beautiful feeling of like achievement when you do get to a point where it's like we can do all this cool shit rather than like getting all that stuff thrust upon you and 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 you're all of a sudden thrown in the deep end when you're not ready and that's how you get ripped off and that's how you end up being owned by a major label for the next 15 years. Yeah, so yeah. if you play bass on your friend's EP, they're not allowed to release it anywhere, but yeah. Singapore, because that's the one place that you <laughs> aren't owned, that your rights aren't. Yeah. 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 It's, it's, it's interesting. But like a lot of the bands, that, a lot of bands we're friends with who are on those, those kind of big major labels and those big deals, the second they've had three beers is just like, why the fuck aren't we on Poison City? Like, like you know, why why aren't we like, well, we fucked this all up. <laughs> like, yeah. You know, it's interesting. Well, it's, I mean, that, that's the other thing as well. I think particularly if you're doing something that you feel so personally connected to you and something that you're like clearly quite passionate about, it's important to make sure that the way that that's presented to the world reflects that personal, yeah. you know, interest. Yeah. It doesn't reflect the interest of people who just want to use you to make money yeah. and that's all the music industry is it's just yeah. like people who are dipping into your pockets for things that you can't be bothered or don't know how to do like, yeah that's all any manager or booking agent's doing like um and some people are incredibly good at it and like there are you know courtney's a great example of that of someone who is ludicrously talented and writes great songs and is great but 
I don't feel like you get on, you get to play on Ellen unless you've got some really fucking powerful person in your corner yeah, who's sure. like, you know, and and that, but she's an example of someone who totally deserves that stuff and has worked her ass off and is now like, is you know, those things that she's and you know she goes and plays on Jimmy Fallon and she fucking nails it because mm. she's played a thousand shows. So yeah, 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 it's just another gig. But except this gig, I only get to play two songs. Yeah, <laughs> and like I've got a really nice monitors and like yeah. it sounds really fucking good because it's on live TV. So sure, like, yeah. Um, but yeah, it, it is interesting, like the you know the pe- but it, it, people getting into it for different reasons. But like now, where like you can, you're not going to sell any records, even the biggest band in the world is not selling enough records to like buy one band member a house kind of thing. Like <laughs> yeah. you know, I remember like we charted for the first time this year, and I was like, oh my god, and they looked and was like, oh no, that's not that impressive. Like, <laughs> oh, we sold we sold a hundred less copies than number one and uh, 30 more copies than number 150 i guess there's no one buys records anymore <laughs> um still time issues with both hands yeah yeah <laughs> yeah exactly but like you know so i guess yeah, th- i feel like that's going to weed out the separate the wheat from the chaff you know and mm. stop people who are like i'm getting into it for like fucking rock star and, and the drugs and the lifestyle and you know all this kind of shit where it's like you show up and you're just like, no, nah, like no one's, no one can afford Coke anymore. Yeah. Like you can't, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. No, you, you can't smash guitars anymore because they're expensive, especially now the Australian dollar is so shit. Like, yeah, yeah. It's like, yeah, you can't really get into music unless it's just like, these are the things I have to do. This yeah. is what I have to say to as many people as I can say it to and everything else will hopefully take care of itself. Mm. So how, I guess, as someone who hasn't seen you do these things elsewhere, how has the response been when you've gone overseas and things like that? Because I'd say, as an Australian citizen, mm. uh, your band sounds very Australian. Possibly, I mean, obviously because you sing in the accent that yes. belongs to you. Yeah. Not, <laughs> you're not putting on a voice. For better or off or worse. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, but like, and and I think that's something that to a lot of people can be quite confronting. Mm. Like a lot of people. I mean, I would say that's probably why. Australian hip hop isn't as well received as you know. It's also not very good. Well, <laughs> but I would say journalistic to say. <laughs> I think there's a lot of like a lot of that probably comes from people not being able to cope with hearing something that's different to the norm. No, but then I mean, like Billy Bragg is one of my favorite singers, and he has the most disgusting accent ever. Like, it's so, like... Yeah. My favourite songs is uh, Greetings to New Brunette. And the first line, that's just like, Shirley! Which is like someone's name in this specific accent, which is like, there's nothing universal about that. But no, it's like, yeah. you hear that line, you're like, yeah, I know the New Brunette. I know who you're talking about. Like, it's yeah. not, her name's not Shirley, but, you know. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, the, the accent, like... I don't know, it's interesting. Like, you can... I think that that's sort of about the, you know trying to be universal or trying to be yourself and mm. to me like i'm not a singer like i'm not i don't know what notes i'm singing i'm sort of i have about three melodies that i repeat I'm really giving a lot of my secrets away. <laughs> i have about three melodies that this i sort of repeat over different <laughs> <laughs> um yeah like i'm I, i'm not trying to hit high notes and stuff it's just like my voice is an extension of myself and i'm trying to say you know same with lyrics and same with anything i'm just trying to say what i want to say in the, you know, hopefully the more um, poetic kind of way kind of thing. Sure. But, um, but then, you, yeah, yeah it, it really frustrates me when you hear bands singing in American accents. But then also, like, Australian accent 
it was pretty gross. Yeah. And like, I, I wouldn't say that I'm someone who's like proud to be Aussie yeah. kind of thing, you know? It is, so it's it is quite abrasive to super the Super fucking abrasive. Yeah. It's like this in South Africa. And like, yeah. But then like Deantwood, they sing in this crazy, like super South African mm. accent. And it totally works. And like Frightened Rabbit are another of my favorite bands. And that dude's indecipherably Scottish at times. Yeah, yeah. Jamie T is just like so, I don't know where he's from, but so British mm. in his accent. And like, it's it's charming and maybe it won't like uh you know it won't open every door that you wanted to but like it's still you and it's the same thing you're going to be if you're being as much you as you can then you're going to be good at being you because you are you anyway if that makes sense yeah, I feel yeah. like that's no, a no, Hallmark no. greeting card or something <laughs> um we're trying to get emotional here yeah yeah, yeah I'm trying to get on. deep <laughs> um but yeah, I guess so so with overseas stuff like uh you the UK and and you and most of Europe has become pretty pretty awesome like uh mm-hmm. UK, I think they probably understand the accent more and playing all through all through Europe, Germany especially, has become really great for us and really, really fun. Yeah, and like awesome. just so so insane to be like I I sort of I feel like I cry on stage a few times on tour mm. every time we go over there. Cause like playing a show in London and like like selling out a venue in London and then all these people singing words back to you and then like and the same thing in like uh fucking Berlin and or whatever somewhere. It's just like places that I never thought I would ever be able to go. And then the only reason I get to go is because of the band. And then like, we almost break even now on these tours, which is like, so how the fuck is that happening? (laughs) Like, you know, who did we trick into like letting us do this? Um, And it's the same with America. Like uh, we've, we've we've done a lot of support tours in America. We're about to do in like two weeks, we leave on our first uh, headline tour. So Mm -hmm. who who the fuck knows how we're going to go in America. But like, um, Last time we were there, we played just a, played like a little sort of secret show because we were supporting a bigger band, this little secret sideshow in New York that was just in like the cool, like it was just in someone's house, but then the back of their house was like a venue with a bar and yeah, right. it was the most like, so many things in New York especially is just like, you just can't stop like gawking at everything and just yeah, feeling yeah. like, oh, I've walked into a cool movie about, <laughs> about underground life in Brooklyn. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but we played that show and like, we just like put up a thing on Facebook the day before that we were playing a show and like, whatever, like a hundred and whatever people showed up and everyone was just in this crammed little sweaty basement and everyone was like, cool people from Williamsburg <laughs> and they all knew who we were and it was, and they sang along to the songs and I was just like, the most fucking incredible feeling to be that far away from home in a city that is so cool for lack of a better word and somewhere that I've, I've, you know, I've always wanted to spend time and have now been able to spend time a few times and having like people taking time off doing cool Brooklyn stuff. Yeah. Like what you, you could be eating at like 10 of the best restaurants in the world right now <laughs> or like smoking all of the best pot right now. Like what are you doing coming to this show? Instead you're looking at me. Yeah, instead you're looking at me and I look like shit. Like, <laughs> um, so yeah, so yeah it, it's, it's, it's the kind of thing where I feel like this next US tour we could do and no one could come to any of it, but there would still be, but then that's beautiful in its own way that like, we're in this falling to pieces van driving across America for like the sixth time. And, yeah. you know, it's just, it's really hard not to take it, like take a second every now and then and just be like, yeah, how the fuck, yeah. how the fuck did this happen? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's really, really cool. And yeah. it, it, I think that that helps not being success driven. So like, we're not worried about tickets and we're not worried about all that kind of stuff. It's just like the experience. Yeah. Everything's it. just a beautiful experience. And like worst yeah. case scenario, like, yeah, I've been to, 
Like, I, yeah, there's like eight restaurants in America that's like, yeah, it's sick. I get to go and have all this fucking tasty, delicious food. <laughs> We're going to Chicago. Yes, I can hit that fucking pizza spot that I love. Like, that that's all exciting for me, just as much as like, you know, if we play to no one, we play to no one. But like, we, yeah. got, we play to no one in Tennessee. That's insane. <laughs> like, you know, yeah. it's really hard to, to, to whinge about it for too long. <laughs> no, I think the same thing. And I think yeah. similarly, like, when I went, when we went and played in Europe, it was like yeah. literally. We're in fucking Europe, so who, who cares? cares? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 99% of what's making me happy has already happened. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. No one comes to the show in Frankfurt. I just, I'm in Frankfurt. This is nuts. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, so you guys obviously working on new material now. Yeah. Um, how, like, how is that whole process rolling along for you with things? Um, yeah, it's, it's fun. We've been writing for about a month or so now. We just, uh, I just write, I write songs and, you know, demo them with some guitar and vocals or keys and vocals and mm. uh, send it to people or just, um, you know, we'll be jamming and I'll be like just going through my laptop and finding, you know, scrolling through, excuse me, all the lyrics and say, oh yeah, let's try this song today, try that song today. And yeah, so we've got maybe you know, 13 songs of like maybe 30 or something songs now that we've got to learn. And then um, we're demoing them all pretty much as we go, which is something we've never done before, but is yeah. like super handy. Yeah. Because you can hear all the different incarnations of songs or like, we're not recording until September. So, uh, even now, like there's some songs where it's like, this song could be cool if it's just two guitars at this uh, and no drums, or it could be cool if it's drums all the way through, or it could be cool if it's just drums in the chorus and we'll record all three different ways. And then we can sure. sit on them for a month rather than like making these snap decisions and it's like, well, we're recording tomorrow. So what are you going to do? You're going to play drums or you're not going to play? Which is really, really, uh, it's really handy to be able to do things like that. So yeah, we're sort of taking, which we're taking a lot of time with this, this one and uh, which is fun. And yeah, we're going to really try and um, I want to do a lot more stuff with, I want to try and record with an orchestra a few songs, which I know won't be able to happen, but at least like a string section and Mm. um, really try and like, expand that kind of stuff which is something we've like flirted with a little bit but i just i love that like uh you know like smashing pumpkins like melancholy and Infinite yeah, yeah. Or whatever. like those kind of records which are like still heavy guitar records but then you know have like like tonight tonight is the perfect example of like a big heavy guitar song which just has the most like incredible soaring string parts in yeah, it as well really which, opens up the spectrum yeah, of yeah, music totally, that's included totally. in it yeah um and yeah, but like spending, yeah, so being able to spend a bit more time working on those parts and stuff will be fun. But yeah, we're just trying to, you know, trying to get as many songs done as we can at the moment now. And mm. uh, yeah, I'm loving it. It's my it's my favorite part of being in a band is yeah. getting to like, I don't know, especially with these three guys, like I, I love the way they play mm-hmm. music. Like if I wasn't in, if someone else was singing and writing all the songs and playing guitar in Smith Street Band, I would like probably really like Smith Street Band because I love the way like Chris Lee and Fitzy, the other guys in the band, think about music and play music and I'll play a song and there'll be this one thing. It's like, just drop these two bars there and put them there. Mm. And they'll be like, oh my God, like Fitzy, <laughs> you've unlocked the whole song because now we can do this guitar part and this thing will work. Like, yeah. yeah, I just, I, I love it so much. Just like a complete, we're really collaborative, even though like I write all the songs and bring them in. I'm totally, got a lot better at not being attached to things so much and like yeah okay we can cut this verse in half like yeah i'll figure it out or you know yeah we can we can do this we can like whereas before i would have been a lot more these are my babies do not <laughs> fuck with them <laughs> um yeah yeah so it, it's it's just it's so 
fucking fun. And just being able to go in every day and spend six hours just like playing loud guitar with my best friends is really, really fun. Yeah, that's sick. Do you have anything you want to spruik or advertise or talk about? Um, American listeners, please come and see us on our first ever American headlines. Go make them not eat pizza by Um, themselves. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, Yeah, please come to that. Uh, We're doing a festival, but it's like weekend at the Wonk, but it's um, it's sold out. But next year we'll get bigger and better things. Um, The town of Forest in general, I'd like to plug. (laughs) um uh no i don't think we've got anything we're gonna announce shows later in the year um oh go and see uh there's a tour smith street of sort of like bringing out bands because we need more thing more ways to lose money (laughs) um so we've started bringing out touring bands and uh there's a tour starting i'm not sure when this will go up but there's a tour that will be on while you're listening to this which is uh jeff rosenstock and tactico vespucci and camp cope who are like three of my favorite bands and some of the people I love more than anyone else in the world, and they're touring. And if they're playing near you, go and see those shows because they'll be phenomenal. Fuck yeah! Good, uh, good advertisement. Thank you. <laughs> that <was awesome. laughs> yeah, yeah, that's that's a real reason yeah. I'm on this show. I'm a professional plugger. Yep. <laughs> well, um, thanks heaps for doing it. Thanks for having me. It was cool to chat to you about all this stuff. It's really interesting as well because I mean, we don't know one another no, very no. well, and. It's cool to do this and I really like this is one of the things that I really enjoy doing with these things is getting to know people better. Totally. It's That's why I sick. love listening to podcasts. Like yeah. yeah, you get to you know, like yeah, this this show and like the Damon Alban show and uh Turned Out of Punk, whatever it's called, and all and, like all the ones with comedy rises and stuff, it's just like yeah, you get to learn actually learn stuff about people and learn like people's funny little like mannerisms and yeah, you know. So all the, all the, yeah, I don't know. Podcasts are great. I'd also like to plug podcasts. <laughs> Get the app. It's on. No, your fuck phone. the podcast app so bad. <laughs> the um I have some professional podcast app. What's it called? Uh Cast's my one. It costs three bucks. Best three bucks I've ever spent. There you go. There's <laughs> another plug. There's another plug. <laughs> all right. Thanks, dude. Thanks. <laughs>